This is episode number 28. Um, I'm going to do something a little different. Um, I think this kind of popped into my mind today. Um, and although I am already behind, um, we've done this last year as a family uh, reading through the book of Luke uh, for um, kind of through the Christmas season. Um, and it works out well as you read one chapter um, each night. There's 24 chapters in Luke, uh, so it works out to uh, to culminate the beginning of Christmas. So uh, I actually think I want to go through a chapter an evening uh, and do a podcast for them. Maybe just say a few words about verses that maybe pop out to me in the moment. I definitely won't have time to prepare anything uh, for that kind of back-to-back episodes. Um, so we'll just rely on the Holy Spirit to to lead and guide and direct what He wants to reveal. Uh, but at the very least, um, being able to read the Word um, to those who would be interested in hearing it, uh, there's benefit in that alone. So, um, so I think that's something that I would like to do uh, these next days. So um, we'll do this first episode uh, coming out of Luke chapter 1, and then I'll record another episode for Luke chapter 2, and that should put us caught up um, in the series. So um, we'll just, we'll jump into it. Uh, Again, thank you everyone for taking the time to listen, and I hope God speaks to you and you're touched through the reading of his word and, and as the Spirit leads. So let's do it. This is the Gospel according to Luke, uh, and you you may too know Luke is the same writer for the book of Acts. It's almost like uh, Acts is a part two of the the Gospel that account he wrote uh, in the book of Luke. So uh, chapter one, it says, Since many have undertaken to set down an orderly account of the events, that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed on to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. I too decided, after investigating everything carefully from the very first, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the truth concerning the things about which you have been instructed." So this little introduction part tells us who who is Luke writing to, and he's he is going through the story of the ministry, the experience, his eyewitness uh, testimony of his encounter and experience with Christ, and so he's writing to this man named Theophilus, and he he does call him um, most excellent, so that you know Luke has a high respect for this individual. 
So verse 5, it says, In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron. So we see both the husband and wife descendants of the priest of a priestly line. I think it's very fitting for John the Baptist himself. Her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. That is a, a very um, a very uh, incredible verse. And uh, just to pause to think that you could be called righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. That is mind-blowing. And you kind of think to yourself, at least I do, how in the world could one be described in such a way, living blamelessly according to all the commands and regulations of the Lord? That's powerful. It says in verse 7, But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were getting on in years. It's kind of a kind of a tender way to say they both were pretty old. <laughs> um, obviously, not having children, uh, depending on the culture that you're in, this could be a very, you know, um, an, it could be an embarrassing situation. Um, most definitely, it would be a discouraging situation as your line would not be carried on. So this would be a big issue for them. If you know, you know, think about the big, some of the characters that God used throughout, um, throughout the biblical history. And we th think of all the, the men and women who had um, barrenness issues, struggled to, to have children for whatever reason, um, it is, it's pretty profound, I believe, that it is through those individuals that God uses in such special ways, you know, producing offspring where there is no physical way that this is to happen. So it's just incredible that, you know, God very consistently uses those storylines of um, barrenness to, to do something powerful through. So that is an encouragement to us even our, in our day uh, when we have difficulties um, you know, having offspring, having children. Verse 8, once when he was serving, this is Zechariah, once when he was serving as priest before God and his section was on duty, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. Now at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. Then there stand, appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. I think that's very, um, it's very intentional. Uh, standing at the right side, you know, he very well could have stood at the left side. But And Luke details for us, this angel stood at the right side of the altar. 
right, um, biblically speaking, the right um, tends to represent uh, power, authority. So um, there could be something there related to that in where the angel appeared. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified, and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. So, uh, I realize I keep stopping, and it's going to be impossible to get to the end of this in a reasonable amount of time, but um, I do want to kind of mention... Have have you ever noticed every time someone sees an angel, they're terrified? Um, now, of course, you know, if you're walking around the corner in your house and suddenly an angel is standing there, absolutely terrifying <laughs> to not to not be expecting somebody there and suddenly you see an angel standing there. That would be very um, fearful moment. But I also wonder, uh, too... Is there something about the way angels appear? Now, angels can manifest and and look just like you or I, if that was the intention of the Lord. But um, is it possible that angels have a certain appearance that might be startling? Um, humanity is something that... Um, has the unique um, uh, bragging rights isn't right, but they have the unique honor, there it is, of saying that we are made in the image of God. And and so, now they're being made in the image of that carries uh, a, quite a significance with it. and It's more than just the aspect of physical attributes, but but I do believe that physical attributes are a part of that. And so could it be that the angels, there's something about their physical qualities, um, not to suggest that there's any like deformation, but perhaps they just look um, not... White, um, maybe not quite like you or I. Uh, maybe they look in a way that causes people to be fearful. Um, you know, just just something to think. Something I've I've thought about before, and it's kind of interesting um, why they would why everyone would be terrified. Not just to say that they're physically terrifying. Um, and so this angel says to him, do not be afraid for your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will name him John. Also think about all the times that God has intervened in, in the sense of, um, childbearing and think about some of the, all the different instances where the child was given a name. You will call him. X, Y, Z, and Jesus, John, um, the, there's several more, but just kind of 
contemplating on the preordained name of particular uh, particular children and particular people that God uses. There's a name given in advance. I think that's fascinating and interesting as to the uh, the intention of that and what what's God doing through that. Why was John? Why was it preordained that he would have a certain name? Why wouldn't they let him name John? And, you know, it says later on that he was going to be named after Zechariah, and, and but Zechariah, you know, made the right decision and and uh, told him that he'll be called John. So that is uh, it, it's interesting to me that he was positioned to be named a certain name. Verse 14, you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Wow, that's an honor. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is, this is a verse that we should, that should really resonate with us to take a stance against abortion. John, even before born, was filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, this should cause us to take a step back and really question where we, how we understand um, pre-birth and how it relates to abortion and, and how we should take a um, a stance against abortion um, and its biblical precedence. Verse 16, He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know that this is so? For I am an old man, and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak, until the day these things occur. You know, I, I've, I've thought on this, and, uh, and I don't necessarily have an answer that I'm content with, and so I'll just pose the question to you, to you all to think on it. Zechariah responds to Gabriel and says, How will I know that this is so, for I'm an old man? And in Gabriel... Um, causes him to be, causes Zechariah to be mute because he questioned the word that was brought to him. Now, Mary, when she is told and visited by Gabriel to reveal that she will be with child and he shall be called Jesus. And she says, how is this so, seeing as I've not been with a man? But she doesn't get punished <laughs> with muteness. Um, nor does Gabriel let on as though he is 
um, perplexed at why she would ask a question like this, like he seemed to with Zechariah. So I think that's I kind of think that's interesting, and I and I wonder why um, he was made to be mute. But Mary didn't seem to have any kind of repercussions from her question. I'll just leave that question with you. Verse 21, Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered at his delay in the sanctuary. When he did not come out, he could not speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them and remained unable to speak. When his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she remained in seclusion. I find that interesting as well. Uh, again, I don't have a qu- an answer to it, but why for five months did she remain in seclusion? What was the seclusion about? Verse 25, she said, This is what the Lord has done for me when he looked favorably on me and took away the disgrace I have endured among my people. So she reveals there kind of the cultural significance of her barrenness, that it was a disgrace to her. But the Lord has shown her favor and blessed her and took away the the disgrace. Uh, Verse 26, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Thank you, Lord. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. I think in those words, those, those, that one verse, the most perplexing reality that man has ever been faced to consider, the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Oh, the mystery that is ingrained within that one solitary verse. Mm. Sit and ponder on that for a lifetime. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. 
And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I think that's very pleasing to the Lord what Mary said. Here I am. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. I think that was very pleasing to, to God. I think Gabriel found pleasure in her faith, in her obedience, in her humility. I pray that we all have a heart like that. Um, as I was reading this, I think something began to pop into my mind regarding the um, seclusion that Elizabeth remained in for five months. And in verse 36, and now your, uh, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. I think maybe that her entering seclusion might have had something to do with that was that was something that that needed to occur for her um to stay out of the limelight you know again this this could be speculative but I believe that being out of being out of the conversation, uh, you know. Remember, this is a woman who was considered barren, who was disgraced, and now she's carrying, um, in in her old age, carrying around a child in her womb. So, lots of things can happen mentally, psychologically, um, s socially that could cause things to develop in your mind, in your heart. So um, could it be that she entered into this seclusive period to, to guard and protect her heart and mind from all that was going to, as a byproduct of what was happening to her, be, um, be you know, start to, to try to take root? So uh, I just leave that thought with you. Verse 39, in those days Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit <laughs> and exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of of your womb. Another powerful verse that really echoes the the atrocity that's done in the sight of God through abortion. It you know we 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 see here in this developed state that the child leaped twirled, fluttered, 
in Mary's womb, or in Elizabeth's womb, when it heard Mary's greeting. And, and then in, in doing that, there was something that happened. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that's, that's just powerful. Um, and Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the hearts, in, excuse me, in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. I pray that I pray that we come to the Lord hungry. And when we come hungry, we can know that we can leave filled with good things. Verse 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, None of your relatives has this name. Then they began motioning to his father to find out what name he wanted to give him. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And all of them were amazed. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue freed. And he began to speak, praising God. Fear came over all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about throughout the entire hill country of Judea. All who heard them pondered them and said, What? Then will this child become? For indeed, the hand of the Lord was with him. Verse 67. Then his father Zechariah was filled, was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke this prophecy. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from, his, from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. 
Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors. He has remembered his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day he appeared publicly to Israel. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just thank you for your love and your goodness and your mercy. I pray that all of us who hear this, who read this, that we think on you. That we can see you in light as the Most High. I pray that you would bestow upon us knowledge of salvation understanding of forgiveness of our sins, that we could acquire your tender mercy, that you would be our dawn from on high, that we would receive the light that you shed, that you give to, to brighten the darkness. Guide our feet, O oh God, into the way of peace. I thank you for tuning in to this episode coming out of Luke chapter 1 um, and we will see you in Luke chapter 2. God bless. If it means that I'm close to you I would trade a million